0: The state's response to the arrival of COVID 19, including switching to remote and hybrid learning, appears to have set back students across the state, including exacerbating existing inequities and challenges in education that predate the pandemic. In response to the landscape that has emerged, the New York chapter of the National Parents Union, a national group that focuses on parental choice in education and works as a countervailing influence to teachers' unions around the country, is pushing for legislation in Albany that holds school districts accountable for student performance, embraces the so-called science of teaching math and reading, and considers the benefits of high-impact tutoring— discuss the education situation in New York and potential reforms moving forward. We're joined by Ashara Baker, co-founder of New York State Charter Parent Council and the New York State Director for the National Parents Union. Welcome to the show, Ashara.
1: Thank you, David.
0: So in terms of understanding where the state of education is in New York right now, what metrics do you look at and what do they tell you?
1: across the country, I'm sure the the biggest indicator is around the NAEP scores. That national report card really is showing that we've reached a historic and devastating low in the country when it comes to preparing the next generation.
0: And in terms of, say, math and reading scores, is there anything in those areas that particularly stand out to you, especially compared to some of our neighboring states?
1: When we break down those numbers, we're looking at New York students across the state being dramatically at least two years behind their peers in those Northeast cities. So in states such as uh, Massachusetts and Connecticut, when I break down numbers, when I'm looking at the big five amongst them all, we are looking at proficiency rates as low as 2% of eighth graders in math when it comes to being proficient. So I'm wondering what happens with that 98%. 98% of students within the cities of Rochester and Albany and Syracuse. How are we going to get them caught up and get them proficient?
0: Well, yeah, in terms of turning things around. The report came out recently from your group calls for legislation that holds districts accountable for, quote unquote, measurable, meaningful results for kids. So again, the same sort of question, what are the metrics we should use to judge students' performance? And what should the accountability steps consist of that aren't in place right now if those metrics aren't up to snuff?
1: So a lot of the work that we look at through MPU is really looking at some of the best practices that have taken place across the state a lot of the states have been adopting the science of reading and turning to different methods around high-impact tutoring. So the biggest thing for for parents across New York State obviously is accountability and access. Understanding how many students are showing up in these spaces, what are the actual outcomes, what is the success rate, what is the plan in place that would take place on the local level. We understand the constraints of pushing out a, a state mandate So giving local districts the ability to pivot and kind of create their own version locally is acceptable. At the same time, there should be an actual provider program plan and really documentation on as to why adjustments were made and a plan in place to maintain consistent access for students to participate.
0: But when we're talking about accountability, we're usually talking about some sort of stick in case they entity in question doesn't meet the expectations that we have for it. So are you envisioning some sort of punishment or other sort of intrusion into school districts that aren't hitting certain goals?
1: I definitely believe in a form of criteria and requirements when it comes to reporting. I think that in any case scenario, you apply for a grant, You put on paper what you have defined the community you're going to service, some of the results you're hoping for. So in return, when you're reporting out on what's taken place with monies and programs you've implemented, I think the key goal is to ensure that you're doing what you said you would do.
0: And in terms of how to actually measure students' success, are you comfortable using the existing, say, national standardized tests? Or do we need to create some new metrics for how to assess where kids are now?
1: You know, our group is pretty open to becoming more innovative. I think that we can all attest to the fact that we have had to shift and pivot post-COVID. I wouldn't be opposed to adopting new forms of of tracking outcomes. I think the biggest takeaway is to understand if we are standing behind a program, a curriculum, a district, they should be doing right by those students. So if we are putting dollars in, we're fully funding programs that are ineffective, we are fully funding curriculum that is producing single-digit proficiency rates, I think that we should reevaluate how we approach both the assessment piece, but also the implementation and execution piece.
0: Well, one of the ideas that you reference in our conversation so far and is also highlighted in your group's report is this idea of embracing the quote unquote science of teaching math and reading. What does that mean in practice? Does that mean something demonstrably different than what is happening in schools around the state now?
1: This is what we know to be true around early literacy is that it is a requirement. We we need this for the success of students, and really targeting interventions that could hit K through third grade should be a requirement. Um, we also know within the science of reading, adopting a form of, of new professional learning, adopting forms of required interventions and tiered supports, and then also with that evidence-based curriculum, which a lot of people My question is, you know, really providing high quality materials and defining what that means. That is what we are lacking across the state. Uh, You know, I applaud what's taken place within New York City, their shift to really make a bold and proactive change to ensure that students K through three are really going to learn and that they're putting in literacy screeners to support students who are struggling. I think that's a huge investment. I would love to see consistency across the board. As I am from upstate New York, I'm from Rochester. A lot of the districts here haven't been able to shift. So to have something pushed out statewide is going to create more equity and opportunity for all students.
0: Some of those buzzwords about what that implementation actually looks like kind of went over my head. So can you spell it out a little more clearly in terms of what we would want to see from educators when it comes to either improving math or improving reading skills. Like can you give a maybe a concrete example of what that actually looks like in the classroom, for example?
1: What that could break down into the classroom, we see it in multiple levels. First, with family partnerships, you have to have your families involved in this process. Uh, We know that when new curriculum, new programs are adopted, Uh, it loses its its touch and its finesse once it leaves the classroom. Once the kid returns home or goes to after-school programs, a lot of the material is watered down and there's very little consistency. So uh, envisioning what you could do rolling out a program in the classroom has to also encompass focusing on the family partnership piece, creating supplemental materials for home, um, hosting seminars and math nights at your school to bring in your family uh, to see how you are adopting these new programs within the classroom, I think as far as what takes place in class, well, it it has to be tailored. You know, it's going to be tailored at some point to students. So really looking at um, dedicated tutoring and what that interval could look like: is it two times a week? Is it three times a week? Uh, maybe partnering with a tutoring center could also be an option. Looking at successful online platforms. Uh, states across the country have been working with the math platform, Zern. So having an online support in your classroom that students can opt into as well to reinforce some of that learning. And then again, what, what we continue to talk about and what needs to be very clear is there there should always be some form of progress monitoring and curriculum audits. That is how we are going to you know understand what's happening under the hood and be able to pivot to fix it and on the actual facilitation piece with teachers, providing professional development, but also providing coaching uh, could really be beneficial. I'm not an educator. I don't have an educator background. The coalition that we've convened, uh, we've intentionally brought in the voices and perspectives of educators, both in middle school and high school. We've also brought in voices and perspectives from higher education professors within mathematics. And a big, a big component for them is is the coaching piece to support uh, teachers in the process of rolling out new curriculum.
0: You bring up the idea of a role for families in this process. And in reading a draft version of the literacy and math uh, legislation that, that we're talking about, I was struck by that role and the emphasis on parental involvement. And I'm curious what that would mean, though, for students whose parents either aren't interested or just don't have the bandwidth to devote time and energy uh, to staying on top of, say, a young student's performance, is that going to leave some kids kind of floating in the wind if their parents aren't invested in this?
1: So I can't speak for every child's situation. What I can speak to is the aspect that we just came out of COVID. And we had a number of parents and caregivers and grandparents and mentors who were supporting their children during the process of, of online learning. Um, to fold into how parents should really be a part of this process, first and foremost we should have access. We should be able to understand uh, materials so we can support at home. And if, if the case and scenario is there isn't um, a parent who's available uh, really working with partner organizations, community based organizations, extended learning programs can also be a viable option. But this is going to take a village to get our kids back on track. As I mentioned, we are looking at 2% proficiency rates in eighth grade. Are these students prepared for high school? I don't think so. And then, you know, when we look at larger districts like New York City, when we're talking about literacy i believe it's about over half 51% of those students are actually proficient and on grade level are we preparing our kids to be their best selves i think i think not you know i think that it's going to take a, a number of stakeholders which is why we are intentional about convening every stakeholder and every perspective in this coalition around math
0: And after a quick break, we'll have more on the education landscape in New York and ideas to improve outcomes for students with our guest, Ashara Baker, New York State Director for the National Parents Union. listeners just joining us, we're discussing policy ideas to improve outcomes for New York students, and our guest is Ashara Baker, co-founder of the New York State Charter Parent Council and the New York State Director for the National Parents Union, which recently came out with a report examining the state education landscape as well as identifying policy recommendations. Well, a third element that we've touched on is this idea of high-impact tutoring, and your group is pushing a bill from Assemblyman uh, Brian Cunningham. What exactly is high-impact tutoring, and how do you envision it being utilized uh, in New York's future?
1: So we're working with Democrats for Education Reform. And really, my, my first step out with the high-impact tutoring push is because it. It's personal to me. I am a mother of a second grader who I would consider a pandemic baby. We have been in tutoring for almost two years now. It is probably one of the most devastating things to see your kids struggle to read their birthday card at their seventh grade birthday in front of their peers. It's hard to, to fathom that there was an opportunity to have dedicated funding, to have more community support around putting resources in place. I don't have a lot of resources, but I have made a way to provide tutoring for my daughter. And it makes me wonder how many students are missing out on that opportunity. So when we talked about creating a a pilot program, that was in mind. Providing as many opportunities as possible to implement high-impact tutoring. It needs to be a priority clearly for low-income and underserved students. We understand that. And we also need to understand that this needs to address that huge learning loss that came from the pandemic. So when I look at what is the best version or you know, a version that can be adopted within districts, really looking at creating a smaller cluster learning groups. So maybe three to four students in a learning group. Also at the same time, having consistent tutors. So the same tutor would be assigned to that small cluster group. But also with the tutor, we we feel it's important that we have an actual high quality trained tutor. These are tutors that can, um, you know, we can look from any fold. We can look at within the classroom teachers. We can look at peer professionals. We can look at uh, community providers. We can look at AmeriCorps members. Uh, But these are folks that would have to receive a training in order to provide that dedicated tutoring. And then, as I always mentioned before, it is the the routine and the consistency. So having a minimum of three times a week for tutoring. That is what I would see as the bones of having a high quality and high impact tutoring program rollout across the state.
0: Well, right now, New York already spends more per student than any other state in the country. So whether it's high impact tutoring or creating additional resources for teaching math and literacy Should we plan on spending more money per pupil or do we need to just change how we're spending money? Do we need to redirect existing resources?
1: We definitely need to be smarter in how we're spending these dollars. National Parents Union has already applauded the governor's historic funding. We understand there's a lot of money out there. And, you know, I know this was a long time coming with fully funding school aid. With that being said, again, going back to the accountability, going back to the the measurable outcomes. If the money is there, if we have dissected some of the ESSER and ARCRA funds, if, if districts are reporting out now that they have dollars to spend, I think that we should be looking at how we should divert those funds. I think, what is it, New York has around 54% of covert relief to spend. Um, we need policies in place that are going to show and prove how kids are actually getting over that threshold. And I don't think that the numbers that we pulled out of our report are indicating that. I will be curious to see when the 2023 scores are released if if we've had any incremental increases. But from now, you know, the perspectives and the support that I've been doing on the ground with families across those big five districts, I think that there's opportunity to pivot. I think there's opportunity to really look at new existing programs and also adopt policies that are going to target intervention, that are going to teach from research and evidence-based programs.
0: When you think about these reforms that we're talking about, do you feel like they represent a complete change in direction? from the way New York State is currently heading? Or do you feel like you're just looking to speed up or expand an existing focus among state education officials?
1: I think that there are a number of stakeholders in this conversation when it comes to impacting public education. There are folks who have the ability to make decisions and also have the ability to become more nimble and also more strict on how districts are spending. I think that there's opportunity for more partnership with districts, welcoming parents and communities getting involved in the actual improvement and planning process. And I also think that there's opportunity for lawmakers to, to look across the board and you know really think to themselves, how can they best support their constituents? So I don't see this as speeding up. I think that this is a call to action to focus on what's best for kids. We need to make sure that they have every single tool at their disposal possible to succeed. So uh, no one should be happy when we have 2% of our students in eighth grade in Rochester, Albany, and Syracuse that are actually proficient in math.
0: Well, I guess the impetus for the question about whether you think this is a change in direction for new york stems from some of the things we've seen in recent months and years including the state repeatedly putting on hold the performance evaluations for teachers during the pandemic and then we also see state education officials looking for new pathways to a high school diploma that could allow people to essentially circumvent certain standardized tests like the the regents and when i think about those types of measures they seem to be moving away from accountability when we began our conversation by talking about accountability. So, I mean, how do you view those moves through the lens about what we're talking about here?
1: Well, clearly there are, there are standout qualities that don't align with the views of families. These are the folks that I'm supporting. I can't speak to the lawmaker perspective, a policy perspective. I can't speak to a superintendent. I can only speak from the the point of, of being a mother and being the one that's closest to this pain, and I think that families deserve the right to see if their kid is on par and if their kid needs extra resources I think it's it's not too much to ask a district to implement programs that can support kids getting back on track so. With the direction with some of the initiatives that have been uplifted, I would welcome any of those groups to a convening with New York State parents who would be happy to push out some of their their uh, experiences and also lend a hand when it comes to creating solutions. You know, I I learned with this math bill that we are drafting currently that there are a number of perspectives and there's a number of lanes and uh, we have to be very sensitive to the fact that this isn't just happening in the classroom. This still impacts how it translates at home. This translates within after school programs. And when we put a policy that has very little guardrails, when we put a policy that is very ambiguous, we can't interpret it, Um, it, it creates a dangerous situation for how curriculum is rolled out across New York State, for sure.
0: Well, we've been speaking with Ashara Baker. She is the New York State Director for the National Parents Union. Ashara, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, David. I appreciate it as well. Support for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local, state, and federal government entities at WGPFoundation.org.